Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are so excited to have Amiad. He is somebody that took a really cool path once he finished medical school that a lot of people are curious about. And Amiad, you wrote this really interesting medium post describing your current job. So tell me more about yourself and what you're doing and why you decided not to practice clinical medicine. For sure, for sure. First of all, thank you so much, Simone, for having me on. I'm really excited to to have this chance to talk about my non-traditional path a little bit. Um, you know, it's funny, I wrote that medium post about deciding to not pursue clinical medicine. I think I wrote it the day of graduation from CW, <laughs> and I was just feeling inspired. Um, but I'm really glad that I did because it has served, you know, I mean, I was almost a full year ago at this point, uh, and I still get people contacting me after seeing that blog post, medical students, you know, residents, people who have taken time between medical school and residency who just are unsure of their path. Uh, and, and that's been the best thing about it. Um, so I'm really glad that I, that I wrote that. And then again today, you know, having the chance now to talk about uh, some, some, again, non-traditional paths uh, that you can take with an MD. Uh, I hope that, that that can be helpful to some people that are listening out there who maybe feel alone. Uh, but, but I assure you by the end of this podcast, you'll realize you're not, you're not. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, I, I did not, uh, decide to continue with, I decided to not continue with, uh, residency after medical school. That was the big thing for me that really came down, um, sort of two, two main reasons that was the right move for me. The first was throughout, throughout my time in medical school, I just didn't find the corner of the hospital where I felt like I belonged and I felt happiest. And certainly, you know, certain day-to-day activities of a, you know, physician just didn't speak to me and frustrated me. Um, so that was sort of one side of, of not really, you know, enjoying the, the actual work of being a physician, a clinician, as much as I would have liked to. The other side was a passion for another type of, of medicine really, which is technology and how health and technology intersect. Uh, I remember when I was in my rotations and I would be, you know, working with an attending who, you know, for whatever reason was recommending, let's say an app to a patient uh, to help with their stress, let's say, you know, or, or diabetes care. I would always find myself sort of fantasizing, uh, you know, what is going on in the room of the people who make that app? Why did they decide to design it like this? How did they get the clinical content organized? And I always thought how interesting it would be to work with them uh, you know, in, a, in a clinical way, in a medical design manner. Um, so those were, those were sort of the two things happening simultaneously that just added up to me sort of making this decision to, to pave my own path, uh, to take a non-traditional path and to work in the technology world, in the product world as a medical doctor. 
And it's so neat that you were able to combine your passions and find something that really was your interest. And I think when we think about this, we wonder, you know, when we come into medical school, we always think we're going to go to residency. And I'm curious, as you were going through medical school, what your experience was as people were encouraging you and telling you that residency was the typical path forward. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it was challenging. I mean, I, I certainly entered medical school absolutely with the intention of, I wanted to be a, be a pediatrician when I first entered medical school. So I, I had every intention of practicing. I also come from a medical family. My dad's a physician, he's an electrophysiologist. My two brothers are physicians. One's a plastic surgeon, uh, one's in his last year of pediatrics residency. Um, so I more or less knew what I was getting myself into, but even so I didn't, which was, which was kind of funny to, to realize. Uh, Obviously, I understood the lifestyle of a physician, of a doctor, of, of the medical world, but being in it was somehow still surprising to me. And I get maybe it was because where my life was, I was uh, newly married upon entering medical school. I had you know, my first uh, child uh, towards the end of medical school. Maybe priorities were shifting, but lifestyle became something that was super important to me, and, and I just didn't see it jiving with the path forward of, of residency in clinical medicine. It was a very personal decision, right? Um, but right, I, I had every intention of, of practicing when I first started. I always knew that in some way I wanted to combine my passions for technology and medicine. And that's really what led me to, in medical school, start doing some um, part-time work with some different virtual reality companies. I worked with a virtual reality company that was making medical education simulations uh, and, and, that, and did a couple research projects with some uh, VR and um, breathing and biofeedback companies. And again, all, all of these things just led me to realize, hey, this is actually what I'm really excited about. You know, when I would finish my patient notes uh, after, you know, during my rotations, um, I would just sit there as I was waiting for the attending to, you know, gather us all up. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking about was, hey, what's going on in, in my part-time work over there? So those were sort of all the signs that, that pointed me into that direction. Well, the fact that you were even able to work part-time shows that you were really invested and interested in that because working part-time after a long day at the hospital during clerkships sounds exhausting when you also have to study for those shelf exams. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I'm someone, and, and again, this is probably certainly has to do with my decision to not, you know, continue with clinical medicine, but I'm someone who really, really appreciates time and prides myself on being very efficient with how I manage my time. And that made me, I believe, a very good medical student that I could uh, manage all the different responsibilities, prioritize the different responsibilities that I had. And I frequently found myself you know, while my uh, colleagues who were absolutely extremely smart and many in, you know, many different ways, probably smarter than I was, um, but they, as they would still be working, let's say on their, on their notes or rounding on their patients, I was done. And I think I did a good job, but it led me, you know, instead of just, I could sit there, I could do you world questions, uh, or I could do some of this other thing. So um, that it really just came down to time management. And that's something that I've always 
you know, enjoyed uh, sort of organizing for myself. And, you know, after all of this time, it sounds like you ended up choosing uh, to go the non-clinical route rather than residency. And I'm curious about that moment in time where you decided that this was going to be the ultimate goal and uh, you were going to avoid the application season and you were going to move forward and look at other job opportunities that might be available. Yeah, well, it was a process for sure, um, a long challenging process. Uh, I mean, this started really, you know, in my preclinical years, certainly noticing that my classmates just seemed more engaged with the content than I did, but I've never really been someone who's been so engaged with, you know, the traditional classroom setting, right? I did all my learning uh, <laughs> remotely, even, even back then. Uh, I, all the, our lectures were recorded and never went to class. Again, time management, I could listen to these things on double time speed. But I, I certainly deep inside was worried that I wasn't as invested, but I always said, hey, once I get to my clinical rotations, that's when I'm gonna really shine because that's what I wanna be doing. I wanna be in front of patients. I wanna be engaging, I wanna be connecting with people, I wanna be helping people, right? Um, and then, that was really a tough blow going into my first rotation, which just so happened to be surgery, which is, you know, uh, for most people, not, not the best first rotation, unless you want to go into surgery. Um, and, and it was really rough and, and, you know, surgery is rough for a lot of people. So a lot of pressure was on me for my next rotation, which was pediatrics, which is what I thought I wanted to go into for that to be a home run when it wasn't, it was another blow. And again, just going along each rotation and just being like, I am just not enjoying this. It's fine, but it's just not being what I want it to be. The one that did catch me was uh, my psychiatry rotation, which was actually one of my last in my third year. Uh, I did, you know, um, seriously consider going into psychiatry for a little bit. Um, but there was a moment, in, and certainly along this process, when I started looking into, well, if I'm not going to do clinical medicine, what am I going to do? What have I been doing for the past, you know, three years at that point? Um, what skills do I have? So there was a lot of soul searching uh, and, and really getting to the, the very core of what it is I do like, what it is I don't like, just very, you know, I don't like waking up at 5 a.m. You know, I do <laughs> like time management, you know, really just, again, breaking it down to its uh, ingredients. Um, but for a long time, I kept both options on the table. And I, I thought that was the best thing to do as I sort of sifted through all the possibilities um, of, of what I could do, if not clinical medicine. But, you know, so for a while I thought, hey, I'm going to actually uh, apply to the match in psychiatry. At the same time, I'm going to be applying for these non-clinical positions and I'll see what happens and, and whatever is the right opportunity for me, I'll go. And at a certain point, that was weighing on me so much the, the, the weight of both of those paths and the not knowing which one was going to happen for me, it just, it felt like too much to handle. So I wrote about it in the blog post, but there was a moment, I remember it very clearly. I was at a CVS with my wife. She had just gotten, uh, I think her Tdap vaccine. Um, she was pregnant with my, my daughter. And I was just, I was so stressed out. And I remember we were leaving the CVS and we were somewhere between, I think, the deodorant aisle and the, and the toothpaste. Uh, and I said, I said, I stopped my wife and I said, I just need to make a decision. I can't do this. 
And it was right then in that aisle that I said, I, I'm not doing residency. And the second that I said it, it just felt like, you know, 10,000 pounds lifted off my shoulders. And, and that's when I knew it was really the right decision. That, that's incredible. I love that moment in the way that you describe it. Um, it is so important for people to hear. And you reference the fact that you did a lot of soul searching and you look through a lot of non-clinical career opportunities. And I'm wondering if you can just summarize some of these other clinical non-clinical career paths that are available for people that might be interested in looking forward to applying to something different than residency. Absolutely. Yeah, so I looked at it all, right? You name it, I looked for it. Um, again, just coming from a place of really not knowing what was out there. I actually think in the past year, there's been a uh, huge amount of progress in, in this way. Uh, a lot more information out there, a lot more people being vocal about this. Of course, you know, I'm out there talking about my experience. Um, there's Slack groups that I've seen pop up uh, of, of different medical students and physicians who are doing entrepreneurial activities or non-clinical um, pursuits and talking and giving advice and mentoring. So all that's really wonderful. Um, sort of generally what's out there, you know, there's sort of the, the paved path, as I like to call it, which really comes down to, you know, those positions that are out there looking, you know, advertising themselves as looking for MDs, someone with those initials after their name. And that really comes down to the, con the consulting firms, you know, you know your McKinsey, um, um, BCG uh, and, and your, your management consulting. Um, so that's a possibility and something that has been a popular route um, in the past as again, this is a paved path. There's some data science programs out there again, also looking for advanced degree candidates and MDs. Um, but where I sort of went was, was the, the Wild West, uh, which is not a paved path. Um, but that I think is maybe the most interesting route to go because it's just rich with opportunity, but it's not there, uh, you know, in front of you. It's not looking for you. You kind of have to go out and find it and make those connections. And it's all really uh, based on what are your interests. And that's what I think is most exciting is I firmly believe if you are a medical student or doctor who does not want to do clinical medicine, there is so many opportunities out there. And all you really need to ask yourself is, how do you want to use your medical background? What area is interesting? For me, it's digital health and technology and games for health, right? We can talk about that. Um, but what, it is, what is it for you? And just go out and see who's involved in that space, what people, what companies, start talking uh, and, and, see, and, and see what type of opportunities there are for you. I love the way that you describe the, the journey that you've had. And so that leads me to wonder, what is your current position and what does your day-to-day -day position look like in regards to using some of the material that you learned in medical school in your current job? For sure, for sure. So first of all, I'll just say, um, after that moment at CVS, when I decided that I was not going to do residency, it was hard. It continued to be hard um, as far as the support uh, I, I got or didn't get from my, my school. Um, not that it was necessarily their fault, but just, you know, the, the first small talk uh, question that any attending is going to ask a med student, especially in their fourth year, is, hey, so what are you going into? And as, you know, <laughs> the match gets closer and closer, that question becomes more and more popular. And it was always a really difficult thing because I'm like, well, 
I know you just want a one word answer. Do I now, you know, make you very uncomfortable and if, and then risk uh, you not liking me for the rest of the rotation? Do I lie? What do I do? So I always tried out a different approach and had different, you know, varying degrees of success or failure with that. But I will say that since starting my uh, non-clinical career, not one person has ever told me uh, that I should do at least one, you know, have you ever considered doing one year of residency or have you ever considered doing a little practice, which I got every day in my fourth year, but not one person has ever asked me that. Uh, and I, I just wanted to say that because uh, for me, it's, it was, it's, that's been very important. Uh, but my, my position um, right now actually is I'm a, a chief medical officer of a new digital health company called Aegis Digital Health. And what we do is we're actually a commercialization partner for, for young digital health startups. Um, really, the uh, coming, our, our investors actually sort of put our team together, seeing this problem that um, these great ideas in the digital health space were just not going anywhere. They weren't gaining traction because it's so hard to take it to market, uh, specifically in the digital health space, without an experienced team. So what we have actually is that team that we then go out and apply to products that are being worked on by very, very smart people, whether that's a product or an idea born out of academia or clinical practice with the experts who are you know, seeing those problems every day, but don't necessarily have the skills to then um, go out and, and you know, take this to market and make actually a business. That's where we feel like we can help. Um, so it's a really cool thing because I get to, again, just work with so many different innovative companies in the digital health space, uh, which I strongly believe, and as we've seen with COVID, uh, is, a, is a very important component of the healthcare system now, and I think will continue to be. And I get to use my medical background every single day. Uh, what I get to do is talk to these companies understand their problems, understand the solution they're building in ways that other people on my team cannot just because they don't speak that medical language. I can have a conversation with a physician subject matter expert. And even though I may not be an expert, let's say in diabetes care, I can understand all the conversation that's happening. I can go look up what I need to look up, become knowledgeable where I can become knowledgeable and then be that person to translate that into layman's terms to you know, the product specialist, to the developers, to the, uh, to the business-minded you know, people. So it's a really fun role for me because I get to sort of play both those roles, uh, which I really enjoy. But yeah, I, I get to use my medical knowledge really, really every single day while I pick up some new skills at the same time. How cool. Well, not only does the job sound amazing, but also a pretty cool title too. Chief Medical Officer can't really be beat. So congratulations on such an impressive position. And I'm sure that they are so happy to have your knowledge base and your enthusiasm on board. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, you know, another thing that you do on the side is something called Digital Dot Games. And I'm curious if you can share a little bit about what Digital Dot Games is and sort of the connection between digital health and video games. For sure, for sure. So Digital Doc Games uh, is, is my passion project, but also uh, something that I think is a very important component of digital health, and that is games. Uh, so Digital Doc Games is my podcast and content channel 
where I explore the connection actually between games and health. And this is something, again, COVID has made this, has magnified this, uh, but something that is a very important solution to healthcare problems. And what it really comes down to in many ways, Games for Health is a very, very broad topic. We now live in a world where there is actually a video game that is FDA approved, has received FDA approval for the treatment of ADHD in children. So wow. that means that this game called Endeavor RX can actually be prescribed by a physician as an alternative to your pharmaceutical um, adjuncts uh, that, you know, like Ritalin or Adderall um, that can be, right, can be, can be used as an alternative or in conjunction, uh, you know, whatever the physician decides. But that, that's really amazing. So we live in this land of digital therapeutics, which is a completely new field which by the way, they will need doctors to work in. So just another non-clinical <laughs> opportunity. Um, so that's something that's really exciting, but games can not only deliver therapy, but they deliver engagement. What does a game do? What does a game creator, what is a game creator so good at, at perfecting? It's the player experience. It's having the player continue to play, even though something's challenging, to continue to succeed, to uh, find failure actually enjoyable, right? And this is something that's so important when we think of conversations of health, of patient, of medication adherence, as, as doctors in general, as the healthcare system in general, we're pretty bad at understanding what happens, what's the patient experience, what happens to the patient when we send them home with their, with their insulin, why don't they take it, right? Um, I believe that games can really solve that problem to a major extent. Uh, can we create engaging, fascinating, fun digital experiences to encourage patients to further engage with their health? So, that's really what digital doc games is all about. I explore how games are being used to do exactly that, what we can learn from games about our own health, games that already exist, what can they teach us, what's the value of trying on another person's perspective and walking in their shoes, uh, experiencing a mental health disorder that we may not have ourselves, but this is as close as we can, can, can get to really understanding that. Uh, and then, and of course, working with companies that are, that are doing this, working with the companies that are making these medical education video games that are making these digital therapeutics. Um, so sorry, that was a super long-winded answer. Obviously you can tell it's something I'm passionate about, um, but that's, that's, that's digital.games in a very large nutshell. <laughs> That gave me just so much to think about now as I walk through the hospital and as we're discharging people and admitting people, like you said, this is just a common question we all have is, you know, why are these readmissions occurring and can we encourage people to take their meds and be more adherent um, to, you know, the conversations that we have in the outpatient clinics. So that is such a wonderful summary um, and something that we could talk so much about and that I hope 
residents and I hope those taking non-clinical paths will learn a lot more about because there is a connection between digital health and video games and it sounds like a whole lot of fun as well. <laughs> yes, games are fun so we uh, don't take that out of it for sure. So you've provided us so much awesome advice for medical students, whether or not they're interested in a non-clinical or a clinical career path in making that life decision. And I'm curious if you have anything else you'd like to add and offer to anyone that might be considering pursuing a non-clinical career path. Yeah, thank you. Um, the first thing I would say is you can do it. You, there, there is a path for you. There is a path that allows you to make the pivot so that you are not throwing away the training that you've had. You are not throwing away your past. You're not throwing away the opportunity that you've been given. You can use that to have the career that you want and to make the impact on the healthcare system that you want to have, even if it's a little bit different. The other thing is you are not alone. There, it may feel lonely. This is not, you know, the popular path to take, but there are people and, and you know, they're, they're out there. Use the internet to find them. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. You can find me, you can DM me. I'm always happy to schedule a chat to talk about it. Even if, you know, you're just not sure. Um, you want to just talk about video games for a half hour. That's cool too. You can do that. Uh, the, the last, you know, I guess say, you know, the last thing I'd say, um, there's actually a fantastic, I mentioned the Slack groups. There's a fantastic group that started this past year that I wish was around when I was going through uh, this in my fourth year, um, but it's called MD++. And it's a great place where, again, uh, mentors are there, medical students are there, and, and you know they have these conversations all the time, and they post different opportunities, internships, paid opportunities, uh, jobs. Um, so, so go join that Slack channel, and I'm in there too, so uh, we can talk there as well. I, I, just a, a quick story. Um, Hopefully it's not too mushy, uh, but uh, I, my second son who was born this past year, uh, his name is, uh, well, I'll, I'll, in Hebrew, it means trust your heart. Uh, and that's really, you know, again, that's, that's the mantra I live by and that's the mantra I wanted him to live by. So that's, that's his name. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's everything for me. So, so trust your heart. Well, I mean, you've shared so much about you, but I want to give you an opportunity to share a fun fact about yourself. We know you love video games. We know you have two adorable children um, <laughs> and uh, we know that you are passionate about medicine, but any other things you'd like to share with us today? Oh man, um, man what else is fun about me? This isn't a fact about me, but Simone, this is a fact about you and me. Uh, <laughs> I think it's fun to share that while we both went to GW, the reason we got to know each other is actually because our moms were in a Pilates class together and got talking uh, and, and realized that we were both in GW and said that, hey, we should, my brother was there too, I think you met him first, but uh, we should connect. So I'm glad that our moms shared that exercise class together. <laughs> so am I. And it just shows that we are in such a small world, whether you're on Twitter, whether you're in a Pilates class, or whether you're in the same medical school class, connections are key. Build on them, learn from others, and continue to talk with those that take all sorts of career paths. 
So that's all the time we have today with Amia. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome resident or leader in medical education.